You're listening to the University of Pikeville Baseball Podcast. My name is Gary Justice, and I'll be your host. Today's episode, I was able to catch up with three former teammates, Ron Runyon, Tommy Chamberlain, and Justin Hall. They share their journeys to the University of Pikeville, some of their favorite memories up on the hill, and some of their favorite memories as a Bears baseball player. So let's get started. Justin Hall, welcome to University of Pikeville Baseball Podcast. <laughs> What's up, Gary? Uh, hey, nothing much, man. We'll wait on Tommy and, and Ronnie to come in. Of course, we may have to help out Tommy. You know how those attorneys are. <laughs> well, I was uh, Tommy. The, hey, Tommy Chamberlain. Hey, welcome to the podcast, Tommy. Me and Justin hey, are on. Good to be here. Hey, we're waiting on Ronnie, and then we'll get this show going. Sounds good. Well, you know, Tom. How's Justin doing? Doing well, sir. Well, I tell you, this has been a highly anticipated podcast episode. <laughs> By whom? Well, once I started spreading the word around campus about this podcast, there have been several people who have been um, eagerly waiting to, this publishing of this podcast. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, nope. they're waiting for this, the stories to come out. No pressure. No pressure. So, Justin, I saw your live video on Facebook. Man, you look at a pretty warm place, man. I was until yesterday evening. So I'd been there all week. We we had a, a retreat with our uh, software team, and and um, yeah, it was pretty awesome to get to do the retreat and to be there and be in the sunny weather. But I knew what was going going down here, and I was like, it's going to be a shock when we go back. And, you know, of course, all the stories on this podcast, uh, there are no FCC regulations, but we do have an attorney online with us, so we should oh. be covered. Okay. Good That's deal. right. You think we should give us uh, – hopefully Ronnie can figure this thing out. <laughs> well, he should be here in a second. He, he, he can – He uh, he's known to be a little late sometimes. I'll tell you what, guys. Let's go ahead and get started with a couple of questions. Hey, Ronnie Runyon, how you doing, man? Can you hear us, Ronnie? Hey, howdy, gentlemen. Hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. So, so let's, go, let's, let's go around the room, make sure we got everybody. So we got Ronnie, we got Tommy, and we got Justin. Everybody here. That's right. Present Justin. and accounted for. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you very much for joining the UPOC Baseball Podcast. I was telling them, Ronnie, before you hopped on, this is an eagerly, eagerly, anticipated podcast a lot of people on campus can't wait for these stories well how about that i've got i've got a lot of stories to tell so i don't know how much time we've got on this thing here uh, well you know what when you when i well am i'm the host of the show and i can i'm in control when we hit finish recording so we can go as long as we want to go <laughs> all right you, i don't know if chamberlain's ready for this or not <laughs> i may not be <laughs> All right, guys. So on the podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to start off just going around the room, uh, but just telling about your journey to the University of Pikeville. I know all three of you guys have had a different type of journey and different reasons why you become a bear. But first of all, let's start off of your journey to the University of Pikeville. And Ronnie, since you're the oldest, we'll start with you. Hey, all right. Well, um, I was playing, uh, Gary, with both yourself and Chamberlain, um, as well as several of the other guys that was on our team i think juki lee played um played with us and there was there was a few others um 
but playing post 49 Legion ball there in Williamson and um, coach Cutright, he came to watch, I think he was just, he was recruiting both you and Tommy and I don't know. He just saw me while we was playing there and he offered and um, I'd spent so much time getting to know you guys that uh, it was just seemed a, a natural thing for me to want to come and continue that journey with you guys. Had you ever been to campus, Ronnie? I had not. So, so you you trusted me and Tommy to tell you about uh, Listen, I, I had never been to the city of Pikeville in my life, living right there in Mingo County. And, you know, I never took a campus visit. The, the first time I showed up on campus was the first day I took classes. Um, I, I came late. So, yeah, I came wide-eyed and bushy-tailed. And, um, yeah, it was it was quite an adventure there. Well, Tommy, you're quite the you're quite the salesman. We should get credit for that one. I tell you, we we need to talk to somebody in alumni affairs and uh, get some kind of credit somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> well, so, Tommy, let, let's jump to you. What's your journey to the University of Pikeville? I, I'm very I'm very familiar with your journey, but let's tell the listening audience though. Well, uh, Gary, as you recall, you and I were both Johns Creek Bearcats, and uh, we were two guys who loved baseball and certainly wanted to play college baseball together. And it's Ron mentioned we played uh, post-49 in the summer, and it was clear you and I both wanted to play baseball and, and play at the next level. And, uh, you know, the question was where. And I, if I remember right, I think you chose to go to then Pikeville College first. Uh, yes. And, and I was looking at the different options. It was certainly always on my radar uh, and, and something I wanted to do. But two things really made it a much easier choice for me. Uh, one was, you know, the, the friends that were already there, you know, you and I had played baseball together since we were about 13, 14 years old. And then guys like Ronnie and other fellas, you know, uh, and some older fellas like Rob Taylor uh, that were there, it made it an easy decision, you know, to go somewhere where you could be there with friends. Uh, and uh, one other factor that became to be a really good factor for me was scholarship money was offered for baseball and academics. And I can remember my daddy saying, he said, son, you can work hard and get scholarships to go to college, or you can work at Burger King. You can decide. <laughs> I, so that was a highly motivating factor for me that, that uh, with both scholarships, I could get a lot of my education paid for. And that, that made what was otherwise a decision I was interested in an easier decision to choose Pikeville College. And then also, the, Tommy and I had an opportunity to have our signing day on the same exact day. So it was a, it was a pleasure for me. That's exactly right. A fond memory. So, Justin, what about your journey from Elkhorn City to to become a Bear? The big, the the last big town before you leave Kentucky, as it was once coined um, by by a basketball coach. That um, let's see, I think he was a, he was a Pike a U Pike Bears a, basketball coach for a while. Yeah, he uh, Randy McCoy led the basketball team to its first ever Final Four appearance. Yep. in two thousand and one. And actually, in 2001, speaking of Coach McCoy, that was the first time the Bears have been back to the national tournament since 1976. Wow. When, when Randy McCoy was an assistant on that team and went on to lead the Bears to three national tournament appearances. But I, I'm sorry, we're talking baseball on this yeah, podcast. Yeah. So, so, Justin, tell us about your journey. So, I, definitely I was a, a Cougar um, and um, – I didn't really know many people or know of anything that happened really outside of Elkhorn. I'm going to claim a lot of ignorance here because I just knew 
that there were universities and there were opportunities. And when I was going through high school playing ball, I actually got to go to a Reds tryout and did really well and thought, man, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was kind of uh, funny. And, ju- and, ju- and Justin, before you move on, you talk about that Reds tryout. I mean, you actually went to Cincinnati. You went to the big league stadium yeah. for a workout. Is that correct? Yeah. I got to, uh, my junior and senior year in high school, I was able to throw it. I had good footwork, good good uh, hand-eye coordination, good hands behind the plate, um, and got a 1-8 down to second base a couple of times in a tryout, and that's what happened. So um, when what got me to – UPIC, though, was a couple of bad decisions on my part. I was brand new to this. I didn't know. I didn't really have much of a guide. And, man, I just – it was, like, really just um, shooting in the dark in some ways. And I wanted to go to Moorhead, and then I decided to go to Lee's College, um, which was away from home. I thought, hey, I've moved away from home. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it jackson kentucky jackson i happened. moved big time away from home jackson so that's how small uh, town i was you know i was a kid from big's branch so there wasn't i thought i'd gone somewhere um and so what happened is uh to make a really long story short um i i was talking to mom one day and i said mom i really uh would like to come back home and um <laughs> you know an hour and a half away or two hours, and I said, I want to go to U-Pike and play baseball because I got to watch them earlier that year before I left, uh, and I actually watched Ronnie hit, like, three home runs in a doubleheader, and I think you pitched a shutout, and Coach Cutright was there, and um, I knew some other people on the team, too. I didn't know uh, Tommy yet, and so I was always thinking about that in the back of my mind when I was going to these other places and, and just ended up saying, I'm going to make the call. Mom said, I'm really happy you did. So, um, yeah, and that's what began. I uh, see. I think I went there in the um, spring of 94 after going the, the fall of 93 at Lee's College. So, gentlemen, so we'll go back around the horn. So, Ronnie, back to your turn. Uh, so, before we jump on to the baseball field, let's talk academics. First of all, Ronnie, what degree did you get from the University of Pikeville? Well, the degree I got, um, the first one was accounting, um, and I had, um, the year before I came to UPIC, I actually went to West Virginia Tech and started out in electrical engineering, and it just did not like me a bit. More specifically, <laughs> chemistry did not like me. Um, but once I got to UPIC, um, I really didn't have a major to begin with, um, and uh, as I think we'll discuss later, there's just through the course of several of the faculty members, um, just taken just a concerted interest in in me and my journey. Um, I ended up in, in accounting and business management. So uh, I got my accounting degree, um, stayed another year to pick up the business management degree and just the journey. Um, that part of the academic journey uh, in and itself was just a, a crazy blessing um, that has served me well mm-hmm. ever since I've since I left you, Pike. So, Ronnie, let's talk about some of your favorite memories on the Hill. I know this could be dorm life, this could be classroom, and I, there's a lot of stories that we can tell. And okay, we well, on pod, we're on the podcast. Listen, so there's no regulations. I can't, I, I can't get expelled now, can I? <laughs> you cannot. Uh, they're, they're not coming to get your diploma. Uh, You're good, Ronnie. <laughs> listen, when I was while I was there. 
for some reason or another, and I think Ron Dameron had a lot to do with this. Um, he um, just on a personal level just took for some reason uh, an interest in me and uh, used to pull me aside and just give me um, talks about being a man, if you will. But he um, he hired me as an RA um, on the Hill, and there was um, a, a door that led from the top floor of the dorm to the to the roof that had a lock on it, a padlock that I went and brought from the house, a set of lock lock cutters, bolt cutters, and um, I mean, in my opinion, now it's harmless fun. But, you know, we we popped that lock and we used to go up and just hang out on the roof. Somehow or another, security got a hold of that information. They came, came knocking on my door at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had to do an entire dorm room check, knocking on doors, looking for a set of bolt cutters with security that were under my bed. I remember that well. <laughs> I, I think I know where those bolt cutters are. Maybe down the hallway. That's yeah, and, and and then um then I purchased a set of a uh, a lock pick kit that um we used to get hungry. None of us had a ton of money, so I learned to pick locks locks for the express purpose of breaking into the hospital cafeteria or the the dorm cafeteria. The hospital cafeteria is another story, but um, the dorm cafeteria because it was in our dorm there in Wickham Hall and. Um, we would be studying at night or we'd be hungry and we'd go down there and get us a bowl of cereal or something like that. So yeah, we would, we would pick the locks and, um, yeah, go, go. I actually made a peach cobbler down there one night. Um, and, uh, <laughs> several people in the dorm. So, well, we're, we're going to run through all three of you. Then there's, there's some, there's a topic that I did not send to you guys. I'm going to ask you about as well too. So, so Tommy, of course, you're you're the uh, you're the attorney for the for this podcast. <laughs> what what was talk about your undergraduate degree? What well, well before we do that, I do need to give Mr. Runyon some legal advice, and that are <laughs> felonies do not have a statutory <laughs> expiration date. So just, <laughs> just so he knows. <laughs> yeah, I think you're good. You think you're good, Ronnie? What Tommy is Oh, <laughs> now what was the question again? Yeah. So, t- talk about your undergraduate degree. What did well, you major? In? I, I majored in history uh, with an emphasis in political science, uh, with the purpose of going to law school. Uh, and this is, you know, probably a good place to give a good shout out to a person that was, you know, largely responsible in a very indirect way for that decision for me. Uh, but I had no clue what I wanted to do in life. At that point in life, I wanted to play baseball, and that was it. And, and there was no plan for after college. I just knew I wanted to get a good job and good education. And so my first couple of years, I really focused on the core requirements and I ended up starting a history, you know, a history degree because I, I loved history and really enjoyed it. Uh, and uh, Nancy Cade really, you know, uh, brought history to life for me and really was a great inspiration and, and helping me go on to, you know, graduate school. But, and I, I wouldn't advise this to anyone. I had a plan. My plan for law school came about because of a good friend that I would refer to as the University of Pikeville or then Pikeville College super fan. Yes, sir. Gerald Vanover, a good <laughs> friend of all of us. And Gerald just had this really good plan called law school. And I did not have any clue what I wanted to do. So literally, I cop- copied Gerald's plan. 
That is the God's honest truth of how I got to law school. <laughs> now, hold on, but, but before we go any further, okay, so this super fan who is a very successful attorney, one of the smartest guys that I know, Gerald Vanover, undergrad, you know, he had made one of the top scores in all the classes, law school, just brilliant. But this guy wore a tank top and shorts, no matter the time of the year, the temperature outside, Big G was in a tank top and That's shorts. That's right. I'm also of the personal opinion that the orange hair piece he used to wear to the basketball game should be in <laughs> to the Utah Hall of Fame, but you know, we, we've not uh, got I, enough I, votes I, for that yet. I'm working on that, Tommy. <laughs> we're, we're, we're politicking on that one. So, so Tommy, what about some of your favorite memories? I know you got the influences there. You talk about Nancy Cade and just some, you talk about your relationship with Gerald, but what's about your favorite memories up on the hill? Well, you know, when I thought about that question, a lot of it had to do, uh, you know, especially with my teammates. And I don't know a better way to describe it than, than a sense of family. Uh, and, you know, you look back at those times and, those friends you made in those years or the friends that you brought along with you, those are people that still today, you know, that I can call on and I can count on them. So really, you know, when I think of my memories, I, I think of, you know, just times of hanging out with those folks and those people and, and the impact they had on my life. Uh, you know, guys like I'm talking to on this phone right now. And uh, a good example for me, uh, you know, of, of where those, those things take you is uh, about a month and a half ago, Ronnie and I got together at a place called Disney World with our families because we wanted our children to know each other. You know, that's, you know, that's just something, you know, uh, those friendships are something you, they're so valuable in life. So when I think of, you know, all the memories, the, my first thoughts are those guys, guys like that, the guys on this call that are friends of mine to this day. So let's go back. Uh, this is going to be a Ronnie and Tommy question and he, and i was surprised that maybe you guys didn't this is my favorite memory of ronnie and tommy on campus and i have a, fam- a favorite memory of all three of you guys but ronnie and tommy you guys have got to talk about the loft that you built inside your <laughs> dorm room ronnie i'll let you go first well this dorm room was about eight by eight and to stick me and Tommy in a room like that one was, uh, that was a sight to behold to begin with. But um, I don't know. I just got the idea that if we had a bunk bed that covered the whole room, that it would, um, it would give us a little more space. And the funniest thing about this loft, which they made us cut down because if you remember the, the famous spire of Wickham Hall, Yes. They jumped all over us because they said if the fire had happened while we were there, we'd have been dead because we was up literally eight to 12 inches from the ceiling. It's <laughs> um, where, where we slept. But my alarm clock, I had to set three alarm clocks in the mornings because I just could not wake up. And one, one of those set alarm clocks was a TV that I would put on a static station and turn it all the way up. And every single day that that went off, Tommy slammed his head against the ceiling <laughs> from this loft, which was four four by four posts in each corner of the room with some two by sixes going across the edges and, and just a bunch of one bys, um, if um, you understand that verbiage, um, uh, across the top. And man, we had a good time with it, though. It was, it was definitely a talking point uh, 
in the college there. Yeah, it, uh, Tommy, well, what's, tell us about the loss. Well, you know, it, it, it was, it was, we were in this tiny room and it gave us a great place to, uh, make our room larger and we slip up near the ceiling. Uh, and you know, Ronnie's absolutely right. Uh, he would set those alarms and it took me about a month before I quit smacking my face on the ceiling every morning. Uh, cause he would make, I would jump, he would have this loud noise and I would jump in the morning. The, the worst part of that though was the one morning he set him about two hours early and I went to class. Okay. Yeah. Let, let me, let me tell this story if that's okay, Tommy, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to jump in here. Me and about 10 more of the, the guys, most of them baseball players, but a few others who wanted to get in on this. I set Tommy's alarm clock ahead two hours one morning. And <laughs> it was when it was still dark outside. And I was already up. I, I woke up. Uh, I pretty much stayed up all night so that I could get up for this. And there was about 10 of us already in the bathrooms getting ready Let's say Tommy had to get up at seven. It was five o'clock in the morning and we were up and getting ready in the bathroom and taking her shower, just like we were going to class. So, and the moment Chamberlain leaves for class, we all go back to bed. And Tommy made it all the way across campus with not a soul in sight before he figured out something is wrong. And I didn't tell him this until about 10 years later that I was actually the, the one that did that time. Not completely forgiving him either. <laughs> no, I, made it, I made it to class in record uh, in the uh, in the science building. I sat down in my class and I I was suspicious. And I finally said, "All right." When I got there, this is it. I'm going back to the bed. And I yeah, I didn't know till at least a decade later it was wrong. Oh, well, I tell you, the, the loft is something of um, which is amazing to me because you walked in and I saw it and, and I remember. Tommy and Ronnie showing it to me, and he said, this is our living room, and upstairs is our bedroom. <laughs> the room was under the lot. <laughs> the room that was under the lot, exactly. So, Justin, let's jump to you. What did you major at the University of Oxford? Um, I majored in art and communications, and at the time that uh, when I enrolled, communications uh, wasn't a thing yet. It didn't start um, and become a part of the uh, – I think College of Art and Sciences until mm, probably my junior year, I think. Um, and art was mostly, it wasn't art education. It wasn't, let's go teach art, be an art teacher. It was an artist, you know. And uh, that was what that meant to me back then. And I didn't know it was just sort of like, like an entrepreneur, creative uh, want to do things kind of out of the box. Um, and I really didn't know what I was really getting into. I had a wonderful professor, um, Patricia Kowalik, who I just adore and think the world of because of uh, her leadership and, and just her guidance. And so, Justin, so jump in to some of your favorite Oh, gosh. Up on the hill. Uh, the first night there, um, because it was like I, I joined up uh, like during the snowstorm. And so there were some people there on the uh, at Wickham Hall and there were some people not yet there. And I remember uh, Philip Birchfield was there and several other people. And they say, hey, come on, let's go around. We're going to do some things. And I met, you know, some really interesting characters that night for the first time. And we were we filmed the uh, I don't know how many episodes it was they had going, but Wickham Mountain Wrestling which was kind of like a backyard wrestling show. 
<laughs> oh, go the clown. <laughs> and and for the, and the funniest thing is, is, you know, here I am brand new, and I don't even know people's names. And we're sitting there play wrestling, <laughs> you know. And they're like, and and I and the, the, I guess the script was supposed to be for me to go, you know, to take the dive and and to let them pin me. And I wouldn't know. It's always I very bad over going. Go ahead, let him pin you. Go ahead, go down, go. And I was and I was like, no. My my so, so, some of my favorite thing besides the Wicca Mountain Wrestling, and I do have what I'm going to tell you on DVD <laughs> here at my house. Is some of the Chloe called of course the classic comics, and it was the music videos, whether it be Gerald, Justin, and Ronnie being uh, Wilson Phillips, (laughs) and it was so it's it was really entertaining. Hey, if TikTok was back then, we would be millionaires by now. (laughs) Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness, guys, it's so much fun, and that. That's my favorite memory of th- thinking of you because I know Ronnie and Justin did some oh, commercials, yeah. and yeah, I remember watching those. And I remember watching a uh, some another dear friend of our group, Brandon Ball, and Brandon and Tommy recorded, and Justin was in on this too. Something called Connecticut, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Tommy Chamberlain played. George, bush. Bush. A real, like a like a real bush, <laughs> like all it was was a bush. A real, oh, oh, so that's some uh, just the memories, you know. Of course, all the baseball games, and you, uh, you know, as time goes on, you forget the individual games, that type of thing. And Tommy said in the beginning of the podcast, it's the family atmosphere because, you know, even though we don't get a chance to really get together anymore or get to talk a lot, just because of our individual lives, that type of thing, but. It's just like just talking with you guys. It's like we're going back to 1995, yeah. getting re- getting ready to play Georgetown. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. it's awesome. So guys, let's jump on let's jump on to the baseball field. So we'll start with you, Ronnie. Um, let me pull my questions up here real quick. So you've you already talked a little bit about you know <laughs> you ever been to Pikeville before you become a Bear? You're talking to to Coach Cutright. But once you get on campus and you had a great career, you get to play three years at the University of Pikeville and end up in the Hall of Fame as well, too. What's some of your favorite baseball memories for the Bears? Well, as, as Tommy alluded to a little earlier, it's really all about the friendships and, and the people. Um, baseball was, was just awesome. But going back to Big G, Gerald Van over there, um, super fan in every sense of the word would sit out in the right field fence line and heckle the right fielders relentlessly through the entire game. And just, I mean, you could hear them <laughs> through the whole stadium and, and, and every now and then I, I wish I could remember his name, but whoever ran our cafeteria at the time would every now and then bring out Terry, the grill. Terry Mars. Kerry Mars and and just the, the the support that we got from a lot of people on staff. There was a, a group of friends that um, Allison Priest and 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 her group that traveled the games. Um, the parents we had the best parents in the world. They they would feed us between doubleheaders. Just it's really the the conglomeration, if you will, of, of all of the 
ancillary stuff that really made Planet U Pike really special, and and it's it really involves the the group of people that surrounded us while we were there playing. I definitely agree with you, Ronnie, on that one because it was definitely a family atmosphere. I know Tommy mentioned it first, but because you know the parents who come to the game and we had an opportunity to meet each other's parents and. And you had people who traveled. You talk about the, you know, the, I think of Gerald Van over Allison Priest and Mike Jude come to a lot of the baseball games too. And guys who was always there for us. And, and of course, and also some of my favorite memories, guys, is, is as a baseball team of going supporting the other <laughs> sports teams on campus, right. whether basketball games, being the Rowdy mm-hmm. Bears, wherever it may be, in the stands. That was so much fun for me. Yeah, and you're still right. kind of doing that, so, Gary, with everything. I, I even uh, I was checking out the box score and uh, the call that you made the other night on a, on the uh, basketball game. Uh, you're you're still doing that, and that's great. Well, I know, but I can't be the rowdy there, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> I'm, I, I passed that baton. I guys, if you're on the baseball team. You guys get to do, be on do that. I got to call this for the tv up here but it's, it's a lot of fun though and you know and i have an opportunity to do this podcast too and to catch up with you guys and you know it's been it's been re- overwhelmingly popular but um but tommy let's jump to you some of your favorite baseball memories i know we talked about family earlier but what about some of your favorite memories on the well, baseball like i field? said that sense of friends and family but I, I do have one specific memory that meant a lot to me at the time uh uh, after our freshman year in summer ball, uh, I tore my rotator cuff. To say I tore it, is, I pretty much obliterated it. And after that event, the, the as, as a pitcher, the talent level was never what it was before. Uh, it's just a fair way to say it. And there were days I could go out and, and be competitive, and there was days I'd go out and there just it wasn't there. Uh, and so I ended up actually playing for five years due to a medical red shirt. Uh, because of that event. And I'll always remember my very last game as a U-Pike or Pikeville College Bear at home. Uh, we were playing at the field, and we were playing, uh, oh gosh, it was the team that is now Clinch Valley, or maybe that was their name then. Uh, UVA-wise. And to the best of my yeah. memory, I carried a no-hitter into the sixth inning before I gave up a hit. And when I gave up a hit... Uh, it was a little bit before tournament time. Coach wanted to get a little other work in. Uh, he come and took me out. Well, when he took me out, uh, one of the professors who I may have had him for one class, but he knew me and knew my story. And most of you guys remember Gene Lovell. Mm-hmm. Gene yeah. stood and clapped for mm-hmm. me until I got to the dugout and did not sit down until everyone else stood up and clapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make sure I got it and, and knowing my story and, and my time at the university. Uh, and that was meaningful, you know. So that was one of my favorite baseball memories is just, you know, somebody that cared enough to, you know, give a little recognition like that. And so, you know, on top of all the friends and all that, that's one thing I'll never forget. All right. So, Justin, we'll, we'll pass it on to you. Again, I have a favorite memory involved oh. in this group. I'll let you go for. I'll, I'll cool. let you go first. Jeff. I've got three or four actually. Uh, most of them are my freshman year. Um, um, one involved Ronnie. He was playing third base, and we were playing in the tournament at the end of the year, uh, and we were playing Cumberland, I believe it was. <clears throat> and I had I think they had uh, men on first and third. I can't remember. But they, it was two outs, 
And some guy hit like a little dribbler down third. And the guy broke from the base to come home. And I remember Ronnie barehanding it and coming home with it because his momentum was coming home. And it was a great throw, perfect. I caught it. And then as soon as I caught it, I looked up. And I swear it was the largest person I'd ever seen in the world. <laughs> and I had the biggest Thanks, muscles I'd ever Thanks, seen. <laughs> and he flat laid me out. And and I don't know. I can't even remember what happened after that. I think I had a concussion or something. But um, I held on to the ball, got him out. But I, I'll never forget that. I can just see the look on Ronnie's face to this day, him making that play and coming home with that ball. Um, and then I, I remember also playing at the same place. And Gary, I think you were pitching. Um, and, um, you know, any offense we could muster behind you was good. And I think we got like, I think we had four runs or something like that. And you were pitching a gym and, and, uh, I think we ended up winning that game and you, you, you threw a complete game and I threw out a couple of runners in that game, actually three. And it was the same guy. Three times. Petey was uh, at second base or shortstop. I think it was shortstop. Um, and he caught all three. And this guy was supposed to be recruited um, to play somewhere. It was Cumberland, I think, we were playing. And uh, three three straight times he, he tried to steal, and, and we got him all three times. So that was a big highlight. And we ended up winning that game. And th- – well, Justin, now you're saying about pitching the gym here. If this guy's got on well, three times, I don't know how much gym it is. The same, the same guy getting on base. He, was, he might have been the only guy that got on base. <laughs> yeah, okay. Good save, good save. Good save yeah. um, and then there were a couple other really, really good memories on the field that I remember. And most of them um, – you know, getting to play for Coach Lamaster. I mean, all four of us got the got that blessing. What that was like, and oh, yeah. being able to go and you know he used his his leverage and yes, connections sir. to go to places that got us indoors and got us uh, a lot of experience. Just going down and playing in the, uh, Port St. Lucie, that was awesome. Um, for for me, I have. I guess we'll get to it later, but. Uh, just the lessons learned from my playing days. I, I kind of do want to mention that a little bit later, if you don't mind. Sure thing. <clears throat> so I want to jump back real quick for Tommy. And the, so we're talking after freshman year, just give everybody an opportunity to realize how good Tommy Chamberlain was. His freshman year, Tommy, correct me, you either won six or seven ball games on the mound during right. freshman year. Yeah, so then that summer uh, I had the arm injury, and like you said, it was kind of – so you set out your sophomore year and then come back. And actually, I'm not going to say it blessed and you got hurt, but you got you had an opportunity to play for another year for That's John right. LeMaster. And, you know, it, we all got to play for Coach LeMaster, and, you know, getting to play for a former big leaguer was an amazing opportunity. But talking about specific memories, and I know we all got to enjoy this – uh, on at least one occasion, I don't remember if Ron had graduated for the second year, but we got to play against uh, the Atlanta Braves uh, minor leaguers uh, a couple times. Uh, and, you know, most smaller college guys never get that opportunity. Uh, and we, 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 uh, we, we showed well of ourselves. Yeah. The first, I know Gary started uh, to close the game that year, 
but that was that was an amazing opportunity. And if I remember right, we actually got to play against Andrew Jones. If my memory doesn't, he yeah, he he stole a base <clears throat> off of me. <laughs> oh well, oh well. <laughs> hey, he also hit a line drive off that forehead. And that that that, that first pitch of the game. This is our. I guess Thrani had already graduated, and the first pitch I throw, he lines a shot. I didn't know who he was, but he hits a line drive right back. And of course, hits off my forehead. This is a glancing blow. Thank goodness. Shane Hensley catches it in short yeah. left field. So I go one. Coach Lamassa runs out, and all this other stuff. I've only thrown one pitch, and. You know, loving the game of baseball and had this opportunity. No. There's no way yeah. I was going to come out of that ballgame. Of course, there's no concussion protocol at the time, nothing like that. I said, Coach, I'm not coming out. I'm not coming out, Coach. He's a fighting <laughs> pitch. <laughs> it runs back. So, so I, I get my two or three innings in whenever I pitch that game. And so they, after the game, they do want to come in and do some, not testing, but they just want to put the ice on the head and all this other stuff. So I'm sitting in the training room. So we're playing on one of the auxiliary fields. So they have the large major league field uh, to the left. And so we're between the auxiliary fields where we're playing and the big league field is where the training room is. I'm sitting there, got ice on the shoulder, the arm and all the good stuff. Got ice pack on my forehead as well, too. And this is not no joke, guys. Tom Glavin and John Smoltz walk by. And so they're going to the big league field. So he's got, he's got their treatment. And they come over to me and they're like, look at me. So what happened to you? And I told him about the line drive. They said, oh, we don't want to catch this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they just kept on walking. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> That's great. So, guys, so I want you guys to share. This is something I've been waiting for all day. This story. And I want, to, I want to name this, and I'm sure you guys will get an instant reaction. If I say E.L. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> would, would, would you guys like to share the story about the well, I'll, fudge I'll start cookies. and I'll jump in if that's okay. Uh, let go, Tom. You're the attorney. You know what we well, can say. I'll, I'll we tell you the say. story started the night before we were supposed to leave for Florida for our spring break trip. And Ronnie and I went to Walmart and we bought a package of E.L. Fudge cookies. And for those that may not remember, it was the little, you know, Keebler elf on the outside and vanilla cookie on each side and, you know, fudge fudge uh, in the middle. And we also bought a couple boxes of chocolate X-Lax tablets, <laughs> which we proceeded to take back to my dorm room. And Ronnie and I carefully separated the cookies uh, and four, four of the cookies. And we separated four of them and scraped the fudge off and, and melted the tablets and uh, and then replace the fudge in the cookies put the cookies back together and put listen uh, three three pieces of el fudge or three pieces of chocolate x flax per cookie <laughs> so three so 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 you're talking about doses, three doses yes. right three so doses if anyone were to cookies. eat one of those just one what 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 would be the effect You got three doses. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's what you would yes. call stomach upset. So, so if they were a baseball player or somebody like that, or a coach, or you know, they're pretty much. Listen. So, so the idea, Tommy. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in here too. the The idea was, we always 
do something little funny stuff you know on, on the spring break trip the first year was the legend of superweed which yeah. i would love to get a copy of if anyone has it but but anyways we we take these cookies and tommy sets them on top of the television room or on, on top of the television in the room which we're going to stay in and and leaves as as does do i and one of our other catchers. No, no. I'm not sure we should name names. Or no, 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 no. Really, yeah. One, 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 one of the other baseball players. Um, all of them. eats all the cookies. <laughs> he eats all of them, and and the idea was, as we were going around, we was going to hand a, a few of those out to to a few of the freshmen and just have a little fun. And I'm surprised oh. we didn't put the poor kid in the hospital. Oh, oh, hold on. So, I felt okay. so bad right, the entire trip. Wait, how many cookies, but well, many cookies are thing. we talking about? Here, here's the thing, Gary. As, when we went back in the room, that particular person was laying on the bed, and me and Ron looked at him, and we saw the cookies were open. Oh. And we said, so-and-so, did you eat any of the cookies? No, I didn't. Eat. No, really, it's important. Did you eat any of the cookies? Well, yeah. Why, why, what's the big deal? And we just said, Nothing. And we walked out of the room, and I said <laughs> something like 11. Ron said something like 12. And we were talking about the number of X-Lax tablets we assumed he had just eaten because we knew where the poopy cookies were, <laughs> as we called them. Uh, and we, and here's the thing, Gary, and, and here's one of my memories. I'll never forget. We had to go tell him what happened. And nothing, here's the thing. We're rooming with the guy. Nothing happened that night. Not a thing. And... The next morning, we had a practice, not a game. We had a practice. To this day, I will remember the last thing Coach LeMaster says. You guys owe me three laps around the field. I was on my second lap with my left foot over the right field foul line when I heard something scream like a small child in center field. Uh -huh. <laughs> hey, and it you, was our teammate. Because the makeup of the field is you had the outfield where we would do our sprints. And uh -huh. just beyond the outfield fence, usually were like the, the porta potties or wherever you would go, you know, like out in the middle of a field. And yes. I remember us, you know, like usually we'd go 40 feet and then turn back and come back to the foul line, right? You know, so like start the foul line, run down the fence line, 40 or 60 feet, you know, whatever to get a good sprint in and come back. I remember this one individual running with my group and I, he was right beside me and we took off running to a sprint. And we were supposed to stop and turn around, but he didn't stop. He actually sped up, <laughs> and he was making his way to the porta uh, <clears throat> potty. So, so I can add to this story as well because during this practice, I was throwing a bullpen, and this unnamed teammate <laughs> was my catcher. And I'm throwing a bullpen, and so like Coach Lamaster is kind of it's kind of circulating around, just make sure everybody's doing what they need to be doing and all this other stuff. And the only thing I heard at that time was, Coach, oh, my God, Coach. He said, go on to the bathroom now. <laughs> 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 but, but, but to add to the story as well, so the teammate, to try to counteract the diarrhea that he was going through, yep. gets a modium AD. Oh, he takes the whole bottle. The whole bottle. His poor stomach was so messed He didn't up know if he was coming or going. That was a classic hey, story. I'm telling you guys, that's, that's, a, that's a 
but let me say, he he he, he is still one of my most dear friends. So. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Gary, an element of the story only me and Ron knew was somebody had to go tell Coach Lamaster what we had done. So, like men, we walked down to Coach Lamaster's room, and we said, Coach, here's what we've done to one of our two catchers. And I'll never forget, it's one of the people that ever saw Coach Lamaster completely at a loss for work. And it's like he didn't know what to say, and he finally just said, and he pointed to his door, he said, get out of my room. <laughs> and I don't know if he wanted to laugh or cry or be angry at us, but, but you know. I'm pretty but, sure he probably was mad for a little bit and then and then laughed his hind end off. He was, he was so I good. <laughs> so, now, Justin, I, this story Uh-oh. I'm getting ready to tell. And I, I'm not for sure if you were involved in this story. I know Ronnie and Tommy was. But I'm not for sure if you was involved. So I apologize if you was if you were involved. No and I apologize in the beginning. But I know I, I know Ronnie and Tommy was involved. <clears throat> so Ronnie and Tommy, I would like for you guys to tell the of Mr. Potato. <laughs> well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite professors uh, who was you know, uh, had such a positive influence on my life was Nancy Cade. And uh, uh, for those that don't know, back in the day, Wickham Hall was the boys' dorm, and our rooms were up uh, the top two floors, and professors' offices were down below that. And Dr. Cade's office was down there. And one evening, uh, I walked down there to see her about something. And her office door was open, but she was not there. And a moment of inspiration or foolishness, whatever you want to call it, struck. And I looked at her Mr. Potato Head that sat behind her desk, and I snatched it and ran for my room. And then uh, uh, never mentioned it to her, whatever. And about a day later, she gets a letter on her door. And the letter is from Mr. Potato Head, who says he has decided that he has gotten tired and bored of sitting in the office and playing second fiddle to her cats, and he is off to see the world. And for the rest of the semester, every day she would receive a photo from Mr. Potato Head and his adventures. Uh, and so uh, I wasn't about to fess up. Uh, and, uh, but uh, uh, me and Ronnie uh, was the co-guides for Mr. Potato Head. Ron, you got any good memories of that? <laughs> It was it was uh, one hour photo, which is not a thing anymore. I, I wish that digital photos were a thing then. That would have made our life and and my my wallet just a little bit easier to handle. But Gerald Vanover again finds his way into just about every story that happened on the hill for four years of my life. Um, about that uh, at the end of Mr. Potato Head's escapades, Gerald steals him from Tommy, unbeknownst to Tommy, and Tommy thinks he has lost Nancy Cade's potato head. And I have never in my life before or since seen the amount of fear in one person than Tommy losing this collectible, Mr. Potato Head of Nancy Cade. See, and that was just a, an amazingly. So, <laughs> so what, happy Gary, what Ron me. alluded to that I didn't know when I helped him disappear was he was one of the original Mr. Potato Heads uh, with a pipe 
and he was apparently quite collectible <laughs> and expensive. Uh, and I found that out after, but of course I wasn't taking him <laughs> back at that point. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it was it was a bad deal uh, when uh, Gerald uh, snuck, stole the key. Maybe that's the wrong word. I don't know what already helped him. I don't remember now. He got in my room and went through my stuff till he found him and stole him. Uh, and, I know the I knew I knew the the, the plot yep. got turned on Tommy, and I and I wasn't for sure how that happened. I know Nancy Kay she did. got the she, last uh, laugh. What happened was Gerald, uh, she, of course, Nancy suspected. So she sent Gerald on a mission when Gerald came in and visited on a day from spring back from his first year of law school. And he stole him. Uh, and then I had the awkward circumstance that I never fessed up to Nancy Cade, but I went to her <laughs> husband, John Cade, and said, you don't know me, but I need you to do something for me. <laughs> and Potato Head came back. And he had wonderful adventures for the rest of the semester. And a one another great professor that we all loved, Carol Grizzard, mm. at that time was a, uh, yes. uh, with Nancy, was coaching the academic team. She had a key to Nancy's office. And the night before Nancy's last final of the semester, Ron, uh, Carol, and I broke into Nancy's office. Ooh, that sounds bad. But we went in and just covered her office with pictures of me, Ron and Mr. Potato Head, the first time we ever appeared in any pictures, on many great adventures over the course of the semester, and uh, put him with a big sign, I'm back home, and return him to the office. And so I can still remember Dr. Cade's laugh when she opened the door, because I was hiding around the corner to wait and see how it went that morning when he returned home. And uh, her, her laugh, and, and later telling us how much fun she had had with that whole situation the whole semester. Well, some guys, I think that you know, we just we we talked about our favorite baseball memories, but then each one of us has named a a professor who really uh, worked with us and touched us. You know, Justin, it was you know Pat, Patricia McQualick and Tommy Nancy Cade really touched you. I know Ronnie through our business. Uh, you talk you talked about Mr. Lovell. I mean, Tommy talked about Mr. Lovell as well too. But then Ronnie, you know, Howard Roberts. What can we say about Howard Roberts? I mean, uh, a match. He is as genuine a person, just genuine a person as I've ever met in my life. And he's another one that, you know, I, I got to go on, you know, the, the business leadership trips with him. Um, but I, I've never met a person who is as genuinely interested in the success of of his students, both personally and academically. I mean, he, he is the standard for me. And... Um, and I, I just I, I cannot express enough the impact that, that he's made on on my life ever since. So, you know, that I think it shows you that not only playing for Coach LeMaster and he had the, such an impact on all, all of our lives, but then also each uh, each one of us named that professor who touched her. You know, it just it shows you at the University of Pikeville. Um, it doesn't matter if it's. You know, 1996 or 2021, that same mission is still being carried out. And I think it's, it's stayed all with us, which is hard to believe, guys. It's been, you know, 24, 25 yeah. years since, <laughs> since, since, since we graduated as well, too. This is, right. And, and I, I want to speak up and, and say, too, now I, I, gotta, I, I just played one year for Coach LeMaster. Um, I played two years for Coach Cutright. And – now, him and his wife, Lynn, as well, yes. were just amazing 
staff to the heel and and as as much as 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 Lamaster and, and I and I love him dearly um coach cut right too um he he was had a personality all of his own and was was a bit gruff you know a, a former um professional umpire I think he made it up to triple A I don't know if he ever umpired in the majors or not and and he acted every bit of it but I've got a lot of respect for for him as well. So, so guys, now let's jump to the last time <laughs> that you got to wear the orange and black. And you know, we, whether it be you know, of course, all of four of us, our last time we got to wear the orange and black was you know in, the, in that in a, the last conference tournament game we got to play in. So, Ronnie, we'll start with you. So, your senior year playing at the time the Kentucky Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. Uh, but the final out was made. Describe that feeling. It was really, it was surreal. Just knowing that the one thing, I started playing baseball when I was four. And every moment of spare time I had was spent playing wiffle ball or hitting the rocks with a broomstick and, and all the way up through college. It was just really a surreal moment. Um, uh, it was a, a feeling of accomplishment, but, but also uh, it was profound sadness as well, knowing that that season of my life had come to an end. Um, but the, the people to share that moment with, again, the, the parents and, and the teammates and, and the coaches just it, – it's it was just a really great moment. Again, profound sadness in, in, on one hand, but on another hand, just just a, a, a really a moving moment. I yeah, guess. because, you know, you, you wore the uniform with pride, Ronnie. You went out and battled every single day, whether it be playing third base or – the outfield played multiple positions for the Bears, hit multiple spots in the lineup, had a very productive career, you know, and you wore the you wore the uniform well. So, Tommy, let's jump to you. The, again, the Kentucky Collegiate Athletic Conference, it was um, – so, now, let me make sure my dates are correct now. So, Tommy and Justin, did you guys both – the last game, was that the same last game? Uh, you know, I don't – it would have been spring of 97 for me. Is that the same for you, Justin? Yes. Okay, so so Tommy, talk about the the last well, it, game. It was in the, the tournament, black. Uh, and uh, and uh, we were playing. Uh, the last game I played in was our next to last tournament game, and I started the game against Asbury. Uh, and uh, and if it could go wrong, it did go wrong for me. The the time before the previous game was a game I carried a no hitter into the sixth inning. And then this game, uh, the arm wasn't there, and I was struggling. But I, I was able to get far enough, and our offense was really, you know, doing well that uh, I was getting far enough into the game to that uh, I helped our team get across the line and get the win, and I got the win. And, and I really expected one thing that Ron said, profound sadness. I mean, I had grown up, you know, and baseball was my thing, and it's what I wanted to do, and it's what I cared about, and – uh, and I had no idea, you know, I was going to go to law school, but where does life go from here? My passion was baseball and it's over. And I really expected, uh, you know, weeping and gnashing of teeth. To, I mean, I, I expected it to be a horrible feeling, 
but what happened was was unexpected for me. You know, I had sad moments as I pondered on it later, but at that time, after our last game that night, I couldn't uh, help but get a uh, – I had a smile on my face, which was not what I thought I would do, and it was because I had this sense of gratitude uh, and how blessed and how, how fortunate I felt to grow up playing baseball uh, and have the experiences I had and how thankful I was for those experiences. Uh, and so it was not what I expected, actually. I expected to be sad and, 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 and it being a hard time. But in the end, the thing I remember most about that moment was how grateful I felt for the experiences I'd had. And also, Tom, again, you're another person who wore the uniform with pride for the Bears. They wore the one to black after a very productive uh, freshman year, had the injury, battled back from the injury. Uh, actually, if I remember correct, academically, you had to take on another That's major right. to continue playing. You actually you could have went on to law school, but you chose to come back for one last I, year to I, play uh, for the Orange I, I knew I had so, the rest of my life yeah. to be an attorney and work, and I had one more year to be a Pikeville College baseball player, and that year was something I wasn't going to miss. So, Justin, we'll jump to you. So, you know, you're playing that same conference tournament with Tommy in the spring of 1997. The final outs made, you know, yeah, describe what it was like it for was, you. It was pretty tough. Uh, I'll, I'll admit, my, my freshman year, uh, I really enjoyed playing, um, and I did well. My sophomore year, I don't know. Uh, I can I can kind of look back, and I know where there was a moment where I just had my confidence destroyed, really. Um, the fall, I think, of 90 – I think it was when the first-year first, first year coach was there. He, he had me, you know, batting fourth in the fall games. And, um, you know, I was, I was really excited and ready to take on that role. And I remember, like, I think all fall I might have went 0 for 30 or something like that. And I put a lot of too much pressure on myself and tried to, and I overthought. And from that moment, it was like a snowball and it just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I never could really recover. Um, I was, I was trying to go, I remember junior and senior year, you know, hitting ninth, <laughs> which is not fun. Uh, but, um, and I knew I was better than that. And I knew I was letting people down and I knew I, it was like, I, I was letting coach down. I felt like too. And uh, I knew I was better than that, but I couldn't figure out what it was. I thought it was mechanical. I thought it was this. I thought it was that. I, I mean, I, I, that was all I thought about. Baseball, you, you know, Tommy and Ronnie both mentioned it. When you grow up playing, and that's all you think about, like, that's that's really was the most important thing uh, in my life at that time, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, um, if you have the – uh, some values to be addressed. I guess I had that more than anything. I was kind of selfish. Um, and so the leading up to the last game, um, I felt like I way underperformed. Um, Could have done a lot better. And the last game, um, I, I just – I almost felt like a sense of freedom in a way, like I was going to be done. And it was going to be over and, you know, I'm going to move on. And uh, had one of the best games I ever had. <laughs> you you kind of let it go because I think you, you've hit on something there, Justin, that, you know, playing collegiate athletics, we're telling all the fun stories. We're telling the fun side of it. 
it's challenging though because you get to that level whether you're you know pitching like Tommy and I did or hitting a baseball one of the hardest things to do in any sport like Ronnie did and yourself but then also yeah. being a catcher and that Justin something you're, you're every single pitch you're being involved in and then when you start getting that you know yeah. you're starting lacking I'm pre- self-confidence i'm pretty sure that i have that weighs uh, on you or, or you know nowadays it's easier to diagnose uh some adhd uh because if i'd have played any place else in baseball i probably wouldn't have played two innings i love being around the behind the plate catching looking being always observant of what's going on um <clears throat> it was just something that was um, I, I don't I don't even envision baseball any other way. It's either behind the plate or at the plate taking a swing and running the bases. So, you know, I don't have a vision of what it looks like to be a, a right fielder or shortstop or first baseman or even a pitcher sometimes. And so, so it was life for me. It really was. And to experience those lows and to just have not have the confidence that I really – uh had during and and success i had during high school was was a huge thing i walked away from that game definitely having the best game i played i think i had two doubles and a home run and you know it was out of nowhere almost um and i remember walking away from that game just like i i cried my eyes out it was the toughest thing because i felt like i i felt in a lot of ways like i failed um well, also, I think, Justin, again, I think it shows the pride that you played with as well, too. And I think that's something all four of us can say. Truly, when we put on the orange and black, yeah, it meant something to us. It meant something to go out there and we're going to battle with our brothers. You know, whether it be a, a 6 a.m. practice Absolutely. in the Pikeville College Gymnasium and to, or, or we're going to Bob Amos and playing Georgetown or we're heading to the Campbellsville to play the Tigers at Campbellsville, where it may be. Yeah. We put that uniform on. We was all in it together. I remember Coach Lamaster one time saying, well. you know, um, is there a pitch that you can think of that you wish you had back? And I can think of several. Like, And that stuck with me for a long time, probably 10, uh, 10 years or more um, after after playing that last game. And I was like, I wish I had this back. I wish I had, I wish I had the experience back. Um and, you know, I cherish it uh, and learned a lot from it. I learned that it was okay to fail and okay to say that you're, uh, you know, uh, made mistakes because now I can own that mistake and I can understand it and understand the value of it. Um, and so that's what I take away from it. Uh, it wasn't – we could have had a few more wins in the win column and – could have had a better batting average and some other things like that. But the people that I got to play alongside and the experience at the college and wearing the uniform, I mean, that, that means so much to me, um, even though it wasn't the best that it could have been. Well, I tell you that all, everybody that I'm talking with on this podcast right now was very active on campus as well. Whether it be like Ronnie being an RA, um, and I can't remember Tommy or Justin. Seemed like when you guys were involved in SGA, very passionately. That, yeah, that was, that was me. Who I, was that? Tommy or Justin? Uh, got into got into that. I was uh, super yes. government president and vice vice president my junior year, president my senior year, along with um, uh, several other really talented and and um, 
people people that were in the community and doing a lot in the community. It was a wonderful experience. So, and I guess, guys, I think we were very blessed to be able to go to school and be a Bayer because, you know, we went to, we could have went all probably went to larger schools, um, you know, whether it be for baseball or just academics. But I don't know if we got the same experience there. So, uh, so we all, everybody I'm talking with as well in this <laughs> podcast is very successful and since graduation. So, Ronnie, we're going to start back up with you. Tell us what's going on with Ronnie Runyon, life after graduation from the University of Pikeville. Well, um, as I'm sure it has been with, with everyone, it's been quite the journey. Um, but at at the end of the day, just blessed is the best word that, that I can I can put to it. Um, through um, just starting a few businesses and um, being able to provide for for my family um, in a way that that I always wanted to have a, a five year old boy and a three year old girl now that are just just a world to me a wife that that loves me more than more than anything on earth i mean i don't think there's anything i could add to that um that could that could express that anymore but just blessed to to have the family i have and and a means to where are you living at ronnie i have been in ohio since i graduated pikeville and don't understand quite how I got up here because I love the mountains, but I moved up here and never left. Well, I tell you what, you know, it's, uh, you can spread that, but the orange and black, or oh, sorry, yeah, orange and black pride anywhere. So even in the state of Ohio. Nah, that's the so, truth. So Tommy, let's jump to you. I know you talked about law school a little bit. So I know you, at life after you, Pike, tell us. You know, well, uh, I went to the university of Louisville, uh, and I graduated uh, in May of 2000 and, took the bar exam that fall and passed. wasn't sure if I'd take it again if I didn't pass. wasn't sure I wanted to practice law. Uh, thought I was going to work in business, you know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, long story short, I ended up uh, taking a job eventually as the uh, new assistant Pike County attorney. And I said, well, you know, this will be good for a couple of years. And, and now I'm going on 18 and a half years. Uh, and I love it. Uh, you know, I, I get to work with people and, and serve the community. Uh, and it's just a, a great job to have. And, and and I really, it fits my personality well. I, I, I would not do well as a behind-the-desk lawyer doing research all day. Instead, I'm in court thinking on my feet and looking at files. And, and that works better for me. And, and it also allows me to, you know, pursue other passions in my life. Uh, the uh, I've, uh, in the last few years, something I've always loved, and it goes back to my early years and then advanced at UPAC, my love of history uh, it developed into a love of archaeology, uh, and now I get to go to Israel in the summers, and I'm on staff at an excavation in Israel at a biblical site, uh, mm. Shiloh, mentioned in the book of Joshua and Judges, and so that's just awesome to literally get to dig into history and, and do those sort of things, and uh, and then, you know, I've got a beautiful wife that, that gives me two weeks permission a summer for that dig, by the way, uh, no more than that, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and a beautiful four-year-old little girl who is going to be looking for me soon because one of the highlights of my day is that night nights every night, as we call it, it's daddy's job to read till we go to sleep. Mm. Uh, there's no more, no more important role in my life than that. That's awesome. So. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so, Justin, we're going to jump down to you after after graduation. I lived locally there for a long time, uh, about three, four years. Um, and then um, I had a back injury. It was a pretty um, – it, w- it wasn't really like an, uh, an accident or anything. It was just something that just happened. And I couldn't walk for about six months. And during that time, I actually put my, my computer – that I'd bought to play some games on. Um, I pulled it to my side on the floor during the six months because I couldn't walk and and taught myself how to how to code, how to program. And um, I'd always been interested in computers, always done things, always liked animation. And uh, I knew that this was going to be a change. Uh, life was going to change. And so I taught myself how to, uh, you know, how to do software development. And... Um, it was pretty tough because that was BG uh, before Google, and <laughs> and it was it was just one of those <laughs> things that not a lot of people were doing or had modeled in the mountains. You know, it wasn't something that you kind of saw. And so, um, um, so shortly after, I moved to Lexington and uh, started a business. And um, I've been doing software development in probably for the last twenty some years now, and. Uh, in one capacity or another for nonprofits. I got work for a Fortune 500 company a couple of times. I've done some contract work with everybody from Lexmark to Jim, uh, let's see, well, let's see, uh, Lexmark, Jim Beam, um, and um, oh, several others, UK, just different companies throughout here in the, in the central part of the state. And um, now I'm a lead instructor of a, a web developer boot camp where I teach other people to code. Sort of that have come from, you know, into second uh, careers, if you will, after going through their first career. And they're going into this as a second career and learning how to code and kind of taking advantage of their existing, like, information that they knew from their previous, like, previous domain expertise. Um, and then capitalizing on that. So. I think my time on the Hill prepared me for that moment where I was going to just have this disruption and, and have to pivot, you know, into something else. And so had I not gone, gone there and gone through the, uh, the, the training that I had and the understanding of how, especially in college of art and sciences, you're kind of a, um, in, in a way like, a, uh, at least I was kind of pulling from all kinds of different studies and disciplines art, communications, and so forth. Well, you, uh, you know, got something that I would say that um, as we kind of start to, to dwindle down the podcast that uh, I find this, this episode, it was awesome because whether it is Ronnie, who is a transfer student who transferred to, to uh, Pikeville College without ever stepping on foot on campus because a couple of guys he was playing on a summer baseball team with, to Tommy, who who uh, performed wonderfully academically in high school, had a lot of different options, looked at a couple of different schools, decided he wanted to utilize, to keep from working at Burger King. He wanted to get some academic money for scholarships, but also playing baseball. And then also, and then Ronnie running businesses now in Ohio, and Tommy, very successful assistant county attorney for Pike County. And then Justin, you know, going to... <laughs> going to Lee's and then coming back, transferring back down upon the hill 
and that is something now you know working i know justin's worked a lot with google in the past and now run this these companies for for two decades are in lexington and i tell you what i think uh, i know we had a lot of good times up on the hill and sometimes maybe a little mischievous but i think uh the the education we received prepared you guys absolutely. well for your career oh, absolutely i wouldn't trade it for anything and wouldn't trade the friendships and the experiences and i remember Philip Birchfield used to say something like, uh, come over on the hill, experience the sharing, and share the experiences. And so I think about that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when, when, upon graduation, the tagline for for the Bears was, you know, change the world. We're changing the world one graduate at a time. And I really do feel that's still still happening now. And uh, But, man, this has been great. I appreciate you guys' time. I know Tommy's got, got – he got – He's got some fatherly duties he's got to get to to greet, greet these little girls night nights. And but guys, this has been great. Appreciate you guys jumping on. Go Bears! And, uh, go Bears! As always, guys, go Bears! Thanks, thanks, Gary. Uh, I appreciate, appreciate you listening to today's podcast. Special thanks goes out to Tommy, Ronnie, and Justin for their appearance. As a reminder, this podcast can be heard on Apple. Spotify, and all the major podcast platforms. Leave us a rating and a comment. Always a good day to be a bear, and tradition never graduates.